0: Welcome back to the Happiest Sad Person podcast. I'm Alessandra, your slowly healing host. Um, I'll update, uh, I'll continue on with my uh, ankle updates, I guess, until I'm finally better and then I'll find a new way to open the podcast. But my ankle has been doing better. I had a follow-up appointment, still need the boot, but it looks like I'm... Slowly but surely on the road to recovery. Um, it's funny. Things that were so difficult um, before. Now that I'm feeling like my ankle is more sturdy. And and almost feels like it's like actually attached to my foot. Unlike before where it felt that my uh, ankle and my foot were almost separate entities. It's bizarre what nerve damage can do. Even temporary uh, temporarily from swelling i really did feel like my foot was a entirely different being or like almost like it wasn't even there so it's been a welcome change to get some more mobility to hobble around less to really i don't know have to feel like a little optimistic and feel like i'm on, on the way to recovery because if it got pretty dark there for a while i felt it was feeling pretty pretty trapped, and almost like this feeling of this is never going to end, like this is just endless, endless of me not being able to run, not being able to work out, just sort of feeling essentially trapped in your own body, trapped in your own skin. But then I have that other dilemma where I'm like, well, now that I'm like almost used to the boot, That next jump of weaning myself off of it, going to physical therapy, the new change, the new challenge, that almost sounds scary to me, even though I know it's a good thing. I know it's the road to recovery. I almost am sort of not looking forward to it, almost a little bit. Um, Dread isn't the appropriate word, but I'm almost a little hesitant to get better to have something change and maybe you don't understand that because you don't fear change personally but for me change has never been something good even though this is a good thing me healing me getting mobility back me on the way to being able to walk long distances again and then run in my brain I just categorize it as change and my brain says change equals scary so avoid which is such an unhealthy way to view life and the world and change. Because life is change. The earth is always changing. We're always changing. Um, our The cells in our body are changing. Our bones remodel themselves. What is it? Something like every 8 to 10 years. I don't know. Fact check me on that one. But something like that. So we're constantly in this flux of change. And... I need to be able to get over my fear of change, even when it involves something good, something necessary, something needed. I can't always be hobbling around in this boot forever, just as like a security blanket. That would be A, asinine, and B, bizarre. People see me a year from now and go, you know, hey, what happened to your foot? You're still, You're still in your boot. And I'll be like, eh, I just didn't feel like going to the next step I didn't feel like you know changing (laughs) so that's something I need to work on myself but it's funny another thing with the ankle injury is so I have to climb stairs to go upstairs to the bathroom because that's it the bathrooms on the second floor and stairs initially were next to impossible because I had to scoot up them and down them because my crutches, I couldn't use my crutches on the stairs, I felt terribly unstable. Then I moved to one crutch, and now obviously I'm walking up and down the stairs just fine. But before, I remember standing at the top of the stairs scared because I felt so unstable, so unsure, so insecure, and I had mobility issues, so I couldn't really go down the stairs properly. But it's funny, I was standing up at the top of the stairs today and going down like it's now not a problem. And I was thinking back to, I don't know, maybe a few weeks ago where I was so afraid to go down the stairs and now I'm fine. It's I'm still kind of uh wonky just because I'm on a boot and I have to be more careful and I have to watch, you know, as I'm going down the stairs. I can't just mindlessly scroll on my phone and go down the stairs which I shouldn't be doing anyway but you know I'm a human I I have my vices but it just I don't know it just made me really happy that I was like wow in my mind that time when I was standing on the top of the stairs I thought wow I'm never going to be able to I don't know do the stairs normally and be normal and walk normal ever again. And so I'm so grateful that that I can do the stairs. And it just reminds me again of the immense human resiliency that we have and sort of the power of, for me, this is a good thing, the hedonic adaptation, which is my brain, I don't need to exert so much effort and thought to go down the stairs I now don't need to focus on that as much and so my brain just sort of is like okay that's you know not as necessary to uh to hold on to so we get used to things so quickly and it 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 sort of ties in loosely because this these two thoughts sparked in my mind at once um with everything that's going on in Florida with Uh, Hurricane Ian and how you're seeing these human beings one day everything's great they're on the beach and the next day their whole life is upended it's so incredibly sad but you see these people and they are just some people are living out of their car I mean I read one article where a couple was just like yeah we were gonna sell our home it you know I went back to my home and I saw my waterlogged house and right next to the coffee pot was a note saying call the broker and you know our house is destroyed now but he was just this resilient strong guy who was like you know today I want to cry but talk to me tomorrow and I might be all right it just is what it is we're just going to keep going and I think it's something in our brains. Like I said, the connection, you might not think there's a connection between me (laughs) going down the stairs and then uh, other people surviving a hurricane, which me even saying that makes me sound like such a little brat. But I think there is that connection of human beings are just going to power through. Our brains are going to forget that pain, that discomfort, that that thing that tells us like oh that was awful and we're just going to go all right now on to survival now on to the next thing you know it's horrific to see fort myers a beautiful little look like cute quaint beachside town island i i haven't been there but it looked very pretty and the whole town is basically wiped out like you look at these pictures and it's just devastating And that's so much history that's lost. Either it's somebody's personal history, or the history of the town, or both. Generations that have come there before to go on vacation, all of that is disrupted. But it just reminds me that either in the near future, or in a year or two, there'll be people that rebuild on that property. They'll accept that they're near hurricanes and storms and all sorts of danger in an eroding beach, and they'll say, "All right, but we'll be here till we're you know kind of booted out by nature. And <laughs> if the whole state of Florida isn't the perfect example of human resiliency, I don't know what is because that whole state is a swamp filled with crack or was it alligators and snakes and mosquitoes and dirty swamp water and hurricanes and just all the scary scary stuff you can think of and they're like yeah it's got a beautiful beach and some good weather so we're gonna stick it out and there is something charming about that now would you ever catch me living in Florida? Absolutely not. (laughs) I am not. That's not for me. But I I can appreciate the person that has that resiliency, that has that thing in them that says, all right, I'm going to enjoy this till I can enjoy it no more. And I kind of would like to get more, to become more of that person, because I think those types of people lead a happier life, especially with this horrible influx of tragedies you know they're calling them these once-in-a-lifetime tragedies that all of a sudden we're all living through um and it's really it can get demoralizing um especially with what's going on in iran if you don't know um masa amini was a i believe kurdish uh girl she was in her early 20s And she was stopped by the morality police um, for not wearing her hijab correctly, the scarf around her head, and they took her. And they did apparently they beat her because they she ended up in the hospital not long after with life-threatening injuries. She was in a coma and then she subsequently died. And so now there are protests throughout Iran. Of women bring their hijabs, men in support of the the women fighting the regime. It's a theocracy, which means it's a fundamentalist uh, Islamic regime in Iran, and it's been that way since about 1979. And it's again some like a once in a lifetime experience that we're having, just like with George Floyd in the United States. And then we're seeing, you know, the rise of fascism in Europe and our, in the United States, our political upheaval, um, the craziness of inflation, uh, even with, I was reading another article, what, yesterday or the day before in, in Indonesia, there was a stampede at a, some sports game. I think it was maybe a soccer game, um. But I'm not sure. I believe it was at a sports stadium. And a ton of people died. It's just like these crazy, again, once-in-a-lifetime things that are happening right now in our lives. And it's really tough to see. It's really tough to watch these things and still have hope for the future. And to have that human resiliency that I was talking about before. Um, it's, I mean, the perfect example of that is the Ukraine war. I mean, we're watching potentially the start of World War III. I mean, it looks like the Ukrainian army and Zelensky is taking land back. But it's scary. And it's displaced so many people. And it's just so incredibly tragic but for the ukraine war it's not funny but it's the the connection to what i'm trying to weave through is the the concept of human resiliency and i was watching a video of um this little village in the ukraine and um so it would be such a quiet quaint place to live if it wasn't being war-torn at the moment and there was this old woman this uh babushka and she was working out in her garden and they were asking her what had happened and the about the explosion that had happened a few days before and she's like and it blew up all my potatoes I just planted and she throws up her hands like almost as if like she was yelling at somebody in the grocery store that had cut her off with a shopping cart or something you know not the kind of upsetness that would be like a missile goes off down the street from you. And she takes them back to her garden and shows them from her view of where the missile hit. And then she shows, she had replanted all of her potatoes. And she goes, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, missile hits, whatever. I still needed to plant my potatoes. And it's not funny, but yet it is because it's human beings, we are such bizarre strange creatures that there can be so much immense tragedy and horror and brutality and yet we just go forward we just keep going about our day we just plant our potatoes and drive to work and you know watch our television show at night and go about our day and there's There's something good in that, but it's also scared me because I wonder what it will take to make a real change in the world. If we're all just going about our day, when do we stop going about our day to make a change in the world, to make a difference? And I don't know the answer to that, and I don't know, with the world on fire, how to make a major systemic change. I mean, I think the key would be education, but that takes time, so that's nothing in the short term. I guess it would just be... I think for most people it is these little acts of resiliency, these little decisions that you can make. But I I guess I ultimately think to make a real difference rather than just sustain. I guess we need to come at each other with more empathy, with more compassion, with a feeling of, there's that old quote where it's like, you know, never look in your neighbor's soup pool to see if they have more than you. Always make sure that they have enough. And I think we need to start looking at our neighbors, our friends, uh, people in other countries, refugees, migrants, People of the world, more like that, rather than, like, what are they going to take away from me? It's more so, what can I give to them? Or I just want to make sure that they're okay. And I think people have this very misguided view of help, that if somebody else is getting help, that it means that you're getting less. And that very often is not the case. I mean very rarely is it that someone is going to be taking directly from you. Unless, of course, you're a billionaire, which, (laughs) I mean, to be honest, I I don't think it's ethical that billionaires exist in our society when people are dying. And I think I've said that before, but I still believe it now. But... I... Yeah, I... Watching all this tragedy has made me... Hopeful for the future while simultaneously terrified for the immediate future and for where the, the trajectory of my life will go. But I like to end, well, let me begin with this. I, I never really gave an answer about why I like to end each podcast with a quote. So the reason why I end each podcast with a quote, a poem, with any sort of words, is because I find meaning in words that other people write to make sense of some of my own thoughts that I, I have trouble articulating myself. Words for me give me comfort, give me a sense of security. Words are sometimes all that we have left when something bad happens, something terrible happens, or even something good. Sometimes you can't put into words the feeling of joy or euphoria that you feel. And our entire world is made up of words that then become inventions or movies or history or the cataclysmic end of the planet. It all depends. I mean, the word nuclear, <laughs> nuclear could mean the end or it could mean a specific kind of power that will help us move towards renewables. But we need that word to describe it just for as an example. And... Like I said, how can we describe God or destruction without words? Good versus evil. We need words to encompass these feelings. And whether you like it or not, words, our lives depend on words. They just do. So here's a little quote about human resiliency that I found on, I think it might have been Goodreads, from a random user I will say his handle. It's, this quote was uploaded 14 years ago, and it's uploaded by Jeremy0826. So this is a real, like, old-school forum type vibe. And it's called The Power of the Human Spirit. The earth trembles as the universe explodes, bringing utter fear and chaos to every heart. Billions of galaxies shift and scatter throughout, throwing nature's balance off course. Alien alien beings wage galactic war on each other, as the human race quickly runs underground for safety. Oceans turn into enormous tsunamis and hurricanes form, leaving nothing but collapsed buildings and lifeless bodies. The life that we once knew has perished instantly. But the human spirit will prevail. We always find a way. And yeah, I that I don't know who this Jeremy character is. If he ends up listening to this, please message me or leave a comment. Because I would I would love to read more of your stuff because I think it's very short, sweet, simple to the point, but very impactful. And on the note of words, I'll, in this sort of tumultuous, scary world, I'll leave you with this. Try to think before you speak more often, and remember that words hold power. Let's all make ours a little bit sweeter, a little more saccharine. Alright guys, Emails, question, email questions, concerns, comments, criticisms, suggestions, anything you'd like to 11jacobsa at gmail.com and yeah sorry for the influx of episodes I've been trying to get back on a schedule and so my deal now is posting every Monday so yeah thanks for listening and till next time bye guys